When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder. Do you love it too? Carrie. Miranda. Samantha. Charlotte. Cosmos. Emotions. So many dudes. Every single dude. dude. All the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Could It Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to us. Okay, guys, that was all just me, just Jamie, um, because today... Rose is not able to be here. She is not feeling well. She is fine. She is COVID free. She will be back. But in Rose's place for a very special episode is Skylar Hanrath. Oh my God, guys. Very exciting stuff. Just me and Sky fucking talking it up. A little change up. This is a little change up, a little temporary change up. Um, We, um, yeah. This episode is a fun one. one. We are already having fun. Um, Skylar, whoa, this feels fucking crazy. I'm like, it's just the two of us. It's always like you and Rose and Anna and my Zoom. And now it's just two two little piggies. Now it's just you and me. Normally, like when we're talking, it's about work stuff. And now we're Uh talking about work stuff, but we're recording (laughs) it and it's fun. (laughs) Yes, this is true. Um, Okay, well... God, Skylar, do you want to do you want to kick us off and tell me who you were this week? Who was I this week? Well, I think that this week of the core four, we you and I have had a very busy week, which I think makes me a Carrie or a Miranda, just in terms of the people who seem to have the busiest professional lives. Yes, yes, yes. Agreed. We've been and Samantha and And Samantha. Samantha. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But I know Sorry, you. Sorry, apologies to Charlotte. We we love her, but she's well, not the I one mean, who's you know hitting the hitting the work. Well, she brings bricks at the moment. She brings so many other things to the table, but I it's feel true. like work is not her number one priority, which is fine. But yeah, so I I, I suppose I would land in the Miranda camp just in terms of okay. like we've had uh, there there have been a lot of things, many many a Zoom, many a Google Doc. It's oh just it's been a great time. Um, it's a but really busy week. Been very busy, and I think that yeah. this coming week is also going to be very busy so it's yes it's nice to be at least for me that's a like a ramp up from the amount of work that i've been doing recently so it's like kind of fun to be in a miranda mode when i've been in a not miranda mode for a while yes in terms of work you were in a charlotte mode a little bit i was yeah i was picking out new paint colors for an apartment i mean all sorts of high stake stuff but right, right, right. Redecorating the nursery. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I also felt really happy this week. So I was like, oh, it does feel like it was feeling before the pandemic. Like, Agreed. It was a nice 
it was a nice feeling to be like, oh, look at us. Like we have shit we need to be doing and it has to be done like right now. A hundred percent. I also like the urgency as much as it sucks in the moment. You're like, oh, that was like kind of cool that we like had to get that done right away. A hundred percent. I also like I love that feeling. It's it's very hectic in the moment when you truly have to like juggle X email with like Y bunch of people that are important on it while also then oh. jumping on to another Zoom or whatever. And that's all hectic. But as soon as you're like through it and you you did everything that you needed to with all of those, it's like yeah. such a satisfying feeling. You're like, OK, I can pull these things off. And that's I know I can, but it's also nice to be at the other end of like having done them. And you're like, I can pull them off. It's great. And they're that's done, true. And the day is over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I had a couple of moments this week. Well, this actually seamlessly leads into Guess who, who I was this week. Well, on that note, and you, okay, so I had I had an encounter this week where, a social encounter, um, where I, I was pretty sure after the fact, not during, but after the fact that I had, I have met my first, like, full-blown sociopath. And That's I know wild. you, you know that, well, I know you know the details of this, and but, I am, I hate that I am not going to be able to go into them but I, yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, but like when I got more details, one detail I did not get was the word sociopath and, and just, oh like yeah, so that's a new you, development, yeah. new development. Well, that happened last night. I told the more detailed version, um, <laughs> to, uh, to trusted friends and they, one of them is working on a project about a sociopath and they've been doing a lot of research and they said, everything you're telling me sounds like that like they're a like by the books sociopath like just like textbook yeah that's wild that wh how yeah I, I i know we have to skirt details but like how did that play out for you just in the moment before you were even coming to the they're a sociopath determination yeah. well for me it was just kind of like as i like i think that th like the stuff i can tell the listeners um is just that you know, it's just so hard because you want to just fucking shit talk your fucking mouth off on these podcasts. And you're like, it will literally haunt me till the day I die if I go into too much detail. But I also want to let the listeners know, like, I know that it's a bit of a blue ball and that fucking sucks. But I will try to give you enough to sink your teeth into because I've been that person listening to a podcast where I'm like, please, people on the mics, just say the thing. You're torturing us. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say enough which is uh, I haven't known this person that long, hung out with them two times, two times in my whole life. Um, and they, they made a comment about a thing that I'm working on that was putting it down, but they didn't have the information about it. And it just felt very surprising to me. Yeah. Um, by the way, there are other things that happened that were just a little fucking off. Like, just weird, weird quirks all around, just some weird responses to things, you know, not like, oh, you say a thing and then they say something back and you're like, oh, that's like a weird way to answer that. Or that's a weird way to talk about that. Like just off, just a little off, but, but totally. fun. And then they said the thing about my work and Skylar and I are in the middle of working on this thing. It's taking a lot of our energy. Um, we don't know the fate of the project. And it was just one of these things where it, the last thing you need is someone 
being like, well, that sounds like it sucks. And so I, but I realized that why, like the normal, I don't even know what normal means. Like, let's just say the average person. I feel like if they don't know you that well, there's a level of just kind of being nice because why not? Like, what are your, like from their perspective, what, what do they gain by putting someone else down? Especially if it's a newer person in their, in their orbit, you know? And like, not to detail things too much, but like when you- Don't you fucking dare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just violating every NDA I've That's ever how signed I talk. right That's now. How, oh yeah. my God. Can you, guys, Skylar has never had to sign an NDA. I just want to put it on record. But, but just like, but just like conversationally, whenever you're describing like an idea to another person, mm. the like just typical manners are like the other person doesn't say, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever fucking heard. But like, that's like kind of effectively what you got, like not in those yes. words, but like, which is crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> It is nuts. And also, if it is the stupidest thing you've ever heard, you are entitled to feeling that way. No one, no one's, it's all like everything creative is subjective. Yes. It's all subjective. People love movies that I hate. People hate movies that I think are masterpieces. It's all subjective. Because of that, you don't really know. Like you don't, you like, okay, here, here's the thing. And we've talked about this before. Is that like, I think this applies to more than just our field. So we won't be like fully LA up our asses right now. This is, this is some like broad, some broad information slash maybe advice. I think that ideas are very cheap. I think everybody has great, great ideas, bad ideas, whatever. The ideas don't have any texture to them. They're just like figments, little, little pieces like, Oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Oh, that could be, it's all just like a nugget. What makes an, an idea special is the execution. A hundred percent. The morsel of like, wouldn't it be cool if this happened in this and this and this? It's like, yeah, sure. Or it could be terrible. Like, what yes. if you have a terrible director who takes your genius idea and literally like takes a fucking violent shit all over it? Completely. It's the whole notion of like, whenever anybody like pitches sort of like remaking something like the ideal version of a remake is like you take something that wasn't done really well the first time yes, and you do a good the version of Tra- it. Yes, exactly. That's not what happens all the time. But like, no, that's the ideal. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Or it's like someone has someone writes a beautiful memoir and then it gets turned into the worst movie you've ever seen in your life. Like my point here is that you don't I always say it's my number one quote. I don't have many quotes that I that I go by that are kind of like my mantras. My number one mantra is nothing is anything until it's something. Totally. And I really believe that with all my heart. Like I never have a thing where I go, that is in the bag. It's like, even the show that I was working on last year, um, which hasn't come out yet, it will. (laughs) I promise. I promise I wasn't lying about that. But even that, it's like, it hasn't come out yet. I don't know. I don't know. I All I did was, like, I executed it, but I can't control what people think. I can't, I can't, I just can't. There's only so much you can do. So my point is, in the way this ties back to the, sociopath comment is just like you can literally not put a judgment on something especially when it is truly a fetus of a concept 100 percent. and there's nothing to back up the act there's no execution so far there's no there was no info to give context to what 
what it could be. It's also, I mean, what you're talking about is actually like one of the things that makes working in this field truly such a high stakes and like stressful thing where it's like the idea say that you're talking about is amazing, but really this applies to all ideas and it gets bought, it gets made, it gets cast, whatever. At every single step in those process- It, it can fall apart. Exactly. Or any, be bad. Any part of that ingredient concoction could go sour and be the one thing that makes the whole thing terrible. But the idea itself typically is not the is thing neutral. that it's going to be. Yeah. An idea, to me, an idea is neutral. I think that you can hear a great idea and you could go, ooh, I can see in my mind how that would be amazing. Yes. But when it actually is being made in the tangible world, there are so many things that could fuck it up. Like in your head, you have the perfect image of what it, what, what the good execution is, but so many things can go into bad execution or great execution. You could have a shit idea that someone really had a vision for and executed beautifully. And you're like, wow, they really elevated that kind of shit idea. Completely. So also, anyways, that's also yeah, like how ahead. like people get creative teams going. Basically, it's like like Spielberg works with like one cinematographer early on. And then he uses that guy for movie after movie thereafter, like Janusz Kaminski, for example. OK, um, it, where it's just like I love the work that that person did. He was additive to my project here. I'm going to use him on the next bunch of movies. And you build a whole like repertory of your tech people like right. results beget future projects but yes that's true but attacking things before you, anybody's on a set before any of the things that can go wrong in the process go wrong is nuts like it's nuts it, it, it's it's so it's so illogical honestly yeah. so anyway uh all that goes to say you were a Carrie I was a Miranda and together we're just killing it um Two members well, let's of- the core four <laughs> two members of the core four hi everybody tim heidecker here with huge news we have a terrific episode of office hours live prepared for you we had the great stand-up comedian kyle Kanane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Mdu mokhtar You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Um, okay, so let's get into the fucking episode. Today we are talking about season five, episode seven. It's called The Big Journey. Skylar, take it away. The episode gets right into the core four at dinner. One night, four ladies in the East met at Compass to discuss going west. I have to go to San Francisco on a book tour. You wouldn't go to the Upper West Side. Suddenly you're going to San Francisco? They're making me, apparently, I'm very big in San Francisco. You mean big is in San Francisco. Okay, yes, perhaps I'll see big. Guys, I need to have sex. It's been too long. Lately, I've been having these dreams where I run, I run up to complete strangers and just start kissing them. If all you want is sex, you don't have to go across the country. Just go across the restaurant. Those guys have been checking us out ever since they sat down. Oh, cute, cute, cute. Boring, boring, and boring. (laughs) 
like these scallops. I love the food here. Same old, same old. Same old, just opened last week. Scallops are scallops and bachelors are bachelors. Sounds to me like you might be experiencing a been there, done them existential crisis. It's not me, it's New York. Nothing is ever really new. In fact, they should change the name to Same mm. York. You're nuts, these scallops are fantastic and those guys are cute. You should go say hi. May I? No, 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 I don't want to say hi. I want to say, could one of you lie on top of me for a while? I need to feel the weight of a man on me. It's times like this, I wish women could go to male prostitutes. Women do? No, 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 only in bad screenplays and first novels. That is an incredible investment idea. We should open a brothel where the men are cute and the sheets are 500-count Egyptian cotton. Samantha, you can be the madam. Well, at least it's something new. We could put one in every neighborhood, like Starbucks. Starfucks. Love Starfucks. I do like that as a business idea. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, isn't that the whole idea of like Nevada where they have like cat ranches yeah, and stuff? So. It is. It is. But that it is true. There's not one that's like, like the wing, but for yes for escorts yeah like that is a good idea to have like a classy brothel geared towards women yeah my knowledge of like the nevada cat ranches is that like do you remember that hbo series that was just like uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, of and of course uh, it's phenomenal it wasn't it was like the fucking craziest thing i'd ever seen oh 100 percent. i think that was like a very early that was also in the period where hbo was like kind of like a little like the skinamax era where they it was all like, had it they all yeah. were very porny but uh but i never got the sense from that show that like the cat ranches had like a classy option and mm -mm, i mm -mm. i think a classy option great idea 100 percent it, it, it is a great idea. It probably exists. I'm. I hope, but I don't. When she said the the Egyptian cotton sheets, I was like, that is a good point. Like, women would want. They would. They would. I think they would feel safer if it felt a little like yeah. If it felt like again like the wing or like yeah like a WeWork. <laughs> Like oh, we want it to oh. just feel like very clean, like there's a coffee bar, like, yeah. you know. Swing downstairs, Marco will grab you an espresso, you come yeah, back up. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. No pressure. I don't know that there would be a lineup. I think that the guys would just kind of be circulating. I think a lineup feels aggressive to having to yes. like select someone from a lineup. I always thought that was so weird and like just so damaging to the other women in the lineup like obviously to each his own and they get over it and they're like okay like whatever he chose kelly like kelly has brown hair i have blonde hair whatever it is but like it is a weird thing like to watch like i remember watching that show and i'm like like they would like just kind of like walk down the line and like all of the women were just kind of like hey daddy and yeah. then like then like they pick one and then they're just like okay it's fine no it's fine she can go make the money and i'll just be over here yeah it's like a sex cattle call it's very it's really pointed feels and like, fully unnecessary yeah. because then what they do is they the girl takes the guy over to the bar and like hangs out with him it's not like they go straight to the bedroom i don't think i think part of it was like you warm them up. You get them comfortable. I mean, I'm sure there are people who are like, let's skip that step. Like, I yeah, know what, yeah. I know what I'm like, here for. You I know? showed up for one thing. Yeah. Right. But then when you get like the virgin who's there, you know, and it's like, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell he's nervous. And it's like, okay, like, you know, we don't have to rush into anything. Let's just get you a drink. Da, da, da. But like, I think, yeah, I would, I think that you could just have everyone in the bar area. And then, you know, if you yeah. meet someone, I don't know. I just... I, I feel like, I mean, this maybe this is like a goofy thing to say, but I feel like the actual like pitch is like a very sort of like, I've never been to like 
a Europe sex club. Yeah. But I feel like a classy version of a Europe sex club is kind of what the pitch is, where everybody like meets, they mingle, they have a pleasant time, but there is like built in yeah, an expectation. Yeah, a built in expectation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think, I even think they could come up to you and be like, hey, are you interested in like partying tonight? Like even that, even if it's like a little direct that way, I think is better than like, ladies, like get in formation. And then yes. it's like one, like, you know, one gets picked, the rest get rejected, like the fucking porn version of the bachelorette or whatever, or bat. Yeah. Bachelorette. God, no, I think you're right. Bachelorette is the, the bachelor. guys. Yeah. Yeah, Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my references. I'm cool, I'm hip. <laughs> got it nailed. Yeah. Um. Wait, what were we talking about before that was, we said that? That was off of the Star Fox idea. Oh, off of Star Fox, yeah. Which so is we a great basically, idea. I do think it's a great idea. Um, also, I think Star Fox, I think the menu would just be very tailored to like what women want. Like there'd be an extensive fingering menu. Like the sex menu, you know what I feel like? Because with like, I remember from the Bunny Ranch, it was like, the options were just like kind of they're very just like clear cut. I think that like yeah. at our version of Star Fox, it would be a little more like I just think there would just be more gray area with yeah, it. Yeah, be it'd be like it'd be like a drinks menu at like a very nice bar where it's just yes. like just trust your bartender. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying a menu item is called just trust. Oh, I mean also, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get they're- the just trust package. There, you don't have Lots to worry about this guy. Comes, yeah, eye contact included. Yeah, all eye contact, yeah. all fingers. He's a, he's yes. killing it. He's a masseur. Yeah. He's a masseur. He's bringing. He's it. a masseur. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what do you think of Carrie seeing Big again? I think that this is I, I. You've seen this show many times through. This is my very first time watching the entire show. Yeah. How is through. that? You have to tell me. What is it well, like? I I I brought this up when we when Aiden came back to where it's like, I kind of, I personally am a little resistant to their commitment to a couple of the guys and big coming back up. Like this feels like it's getting into that territory where people really get mad at Carrie. Cause like, mm-hmm. especially in this episode and we'll get to it, but like big read Carrie's book, read all the stuff that, that Carrie trotted out about their relationship right. in the book. And Carrie still, I, I get that it's supposed to be just sex in, in this one episode, but like, that's not what he ends up being interested in. So I, I, I don't love it personally. I think it's, sure. a, I think it's a weird story choice. I do love the, the sort of half-baked story logic that gets Samantha and Carrie on a train across the country. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a hilarious idea. I don't, uh, yeah. Whoever decided to, make that part of the episode and also just like the pairing of Carrie and Samantha. Yes. I thought was just great. Like, I mean, it would have worked with all of them because they all would have been, they, they all would have had funny situations, but there's something so funny about Miranda, like trying to fuck on a train. Yes. And like, and like having to like shove, given how much she, her character at this moment loves Brady, like having to like just stuff him into a closet so she can hook up with a hot train guy is so funny. Oh, you're talking about Miranda. Yeah, if Miranda were. Oh, the... if Miranda. Sorry, I was yeah. saying Samantha. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, a hundred percent. If Miranda, if Miranda were on the train, yeah. I mean, oh god, that gives me anxiety. Like a new mom on a train 100%. for three days. Like, oh, it sounds horrible. Um, I do yeah. love the train. I just love. I like that they wanted to shoehorn a train story like it's like such a fun romantic comedy throwback setup like they call it out later as some like it hot which 
I love Sun Like It Hot, and they just like kind of mine every little story beat they can from it, but also have it be as disappointing as possible, which I think is great. Yeah, I took a train with my parents in Europe um, when I was in high school, and my mom was talking about it the whole trip. Like, I can't remember what city it was. I don't remember. It was like... I just know it was overnight. It was very long. And I remember my mom being like, it's so cool. Like, and granted, when you're in Europe, it it is an efficient way to do things. Like it's inexpensive and like the train system there is just very efficient. And I I get it. But there are some really long train rides. Yes. And I think it was somewhere in Italy, whatever. It was definitely many hours, many, many hours. And it was my whole family, which is just me, my mom and my dad crammed into one of those quote unquote first class cars. And I just remember being like, what, what is this? Like, 100%. this is horrible. The and whole- my dad snores so loud. Like <laughs> it's so bad. My whole childhood, I could hear him down the hall snoring. Like it is so bad. So it, it was just like one of the worst nights of my life. I just remember being like, when do I get to get out of here? This is like being in jail on wheels. I, yes, I, I, it's so funny, like encountering like the reality of this thing. That's like super romanticized. It's like, like how like plane travel used to be a romantic thing where people would like put on suits and like fly across the country. But now it's like everybody wears sweatpants and wants to not be conscious for the. They don't even want to. Yeah, they want to take a Xanax and not talk to anybody. Exactly. Travel it, is not glamorous. No. Travel is not glamorous, period. It's just not like unless it's a private plane and it's your first private plane. So it's like exciting. So you 100%. get like whatever, you know, you're with a group of like fancy people, by the way, I've never been on a private plane, but just from what I've seen of them. Yeah. there. That's very much like the lifestyle ideal version of it. But like, yeah, that's not what travel is for the most part. No, travel is like disgusting. Every kind of travel. It's like car trips. It's like stopping to pee in like the shittiest, most disgusting restroom you've ever seen in your life. And then like getting a bag of like, I don't know, like Cheetos and, you know, whatever on the way out, you know, and it's like all those like weird, like creepy rednecks, like, you know, they're selling like T-shirts with like lightning and coyotes on them. You know, it's just, just like a bleak nine different scene. fonts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bleak scene. You know, they like sell like pocket knives at the counter just in case anyone like needs a knife. Like it's fucking creepy. Before you leave so, the terminal, you're going to want to arm yourself for sure. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, but then like, at, at yeah, so that's, yeah, I mean, car, tri- car trips, I think are actually the best kind of travel at this point because you do kind of do it on your own terms. Yes. And I used to think road trips because I associated them with like going on a road trip with my parents. And when you're a kid, you're just so bored. Like you can't really do anything. If you can read in the car, God bless you. But I got so pukey. So I couldn't do that. I was just like sitting. Like I didn't have a phone to look at. I was just sitting for hours. And we were driving through like Texas, which is enormous. So it's just hours and hours and hours. And you're like, this is the worst thing ever. But then as an adult, you're like, this is actually kind of cool. You can like stop at a hotel. You get to like see weird shit. Like, yeah, you make a ball of twine, you know, whatever your roadside (laughs) stop off is. You make a playlist before you leave. Like that's what I'm saying. You you pick your podcast. That's great. You don't have any like mean TSA people screaming at you or, you know, you're not worried. Well, in this, especially right now, like you're not worried about getting sick. Yes. You know, that anxiety has gone. So anyway, I um, one, I one yeah. time 
did I took a train from when I was living in Santa Cruz up to Oregon because I was like mm. I just wanted to go like have like a three I wanted to see Portland it was like the first time I'd ever uh, gone to Portland and um, I thought it'd be really cool and then it like was not it was like <laughs> <laughs> I mean Portland was very cool Portland's the, amazing the Great 16 city. hour train ride that this I paid like sixty dollars for was yeah. not very cool. And very, I remember at one point on the train, like when we were outside of like either Bend or Eugene, some non-Portland, Oregon city, um, there was like this family. And so this was a 16 hour train ride. So, Mm. so I got on in like the afternoon and then was there through the next day. And at like 7am the next day, there was this family on the train who, including like relatively young, like I want to say like teenage kids who just start drinking on the train at like seven in the morning. And then someone has to come over the Amtrak speakers to tell the, to tell the train riders that like, you cannot bring your own alcohol on board. Like it was clearly directed at this family who was in my cart. And then, and then it turns out that they were related to somebody who worked on the train. And he like, (laughs) he comes over to the family and he's like, guys, I'm at work. And you can't just drink oh here. Oh my god! I I was like mortified for the guy. I was oh my god embarrassed oh my by the god. family. And then they got off at Eugene, and it was like, and then I had another like six hours to get to Portland after that. Jeez, yeah, that's the isn't that the worst? Because every time it stops, yeah, you're like, oh, are we here? Oh no, we have forty more of these to go. Like a hundred percent. It's the fucking worst. I do like an Amtrak though. I can do, I love like a Amtrak New York to DC or something where, you know, it's like a cool two and a half hours and you're out or however long it yeah. is. I love, I mean, I love a train in Europe. I, I haven't had you as do. great of time trains in the U S but trains in Europe. I've had nothing but good times. One time, um, my friend Shalini and I were traveling. We we did like the backpacking once we graduated mm-hmm. trip. We went to Prague, Budapest, and Amsterdam. And I think it was the train from Budapest to Am. Wait, no, we flew to Amsterdam. Whatever, Prague to Budapest. I don't know. It was a, it was an overnight thing as well. Mm-hmm. So like sixteen hours or something. And uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we were. It was definitely whatever. I I just knew like whoever the woman who was like coming by to check tickets. There couldn't have been more of a language barrier. Like, I truly didn't know what she was saying. And she did not speak a lick of English. And it was like, she kept waking us up all through the night. Almost like you're like spending the night in the hospital and like nurses are coming in to like check you. And you're like, I just want to sleep. It was all night long. This woman coming in, yelling at us, us being like, we're so sorry. We don't understand and then finally, after it happened like four or five times, Shalini was like, I think we bought like a regular class ticket and we're in the first class car. But you would never oh. know that because there was nothing first class about this fucking experience. We're in the shittiest train 100%. car you've ever seen. I'm like, I was like, Shalini, this is first class. Like, how how is that possible? We don't even have like, a bed. What? How? Like, how is that possible? You guys should have been mad at them. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, and I was like, Are you, come on, that can't be it. She's like, why else is she yelling at us? And I'm like, okay, okay, you have a point. But I, so then we both kind of looked at each other and we like, through our eyes decided we're gonna keep acting like we don't know. Because That's I was right. like, I, I do that. not want to even know what like coach looks like. 
I don't want to know what, if this is first class, I don't want to know what coach looks like. And that's what we did for the rest of the night. She actually did eventually like kind of stop coming by, but it did happen again. It happened at least one or two more times. Or like what her, her punishment is for people who sneak into first class. (laughs) Yeah. And also I was like, you should just let this, let this one go. Like you're dealing with two, like, you know, 22 year old idiot Americans like just let us just let us have this you know just let us have this let us have this one thing we're just like two girls on our own now I'm like really milking we're just two innocent girls on our own from the country that everybody hates like let us have this you know we're from the most privileged place to the point where we don't we come into your country we won't learn your language and then us whatever class we want we want to take the first class because that's what we've decided we deserve and you should just roll with it ladies sorry actually it's on you ma'am yeah welcome to budapest bitch (laughs) welcome welcome to the train ride with jamie and shalini bitch (laughs) oh god I have to to text y'all and be like, do you remember that night? Because it was so, it was so bad. Like we were just, that trip, oof, there were some dark turns there. It was a really great time, but there definitely were some moments where I'm like, this is what makes this feel like a movie. And that was one of them. I, yeah, I, I mean, I love those moments and trips. Like every every time. Now I'm like, oh, it's such a great story, but man, did it suck at the time. Yeah. Well, it's also one of those things where it's like, in my normal life, I don't run into train conductors who are mad at me. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So it's, it's like, like let's 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 just ride this one out and see what happens. Yeah, it's like this is interesting. This is yeah. new. Let's- yeah, this is new. Yeah. yeah, this is new. That is a great way to look at it. Okay, so um let's move on back to sex in the city so later samantha and carrie head to the train station for their trip they booked a first class sleeper cabin and they are all ready for a some like it hot style cross-country journey unfortunately when they get on board the quote-unquote luxury cabin isn't what they expected it's a dump complete with a shower that's above the toilet and over at her place, Charlotte's just about to head to work out when she gets a knock. It's Harry Goldenblatt, her lawyer from the last episode. He wanted to get out of the office, so he brought her divorce papers by personally. It should be sweet, but he pours sweat through the whole process. Charlotte signs, and that's that. She is officially done with Trey. Yeah, he literally is sweating so hard that he um, a droplet goes onto the divorce papers it's, and blurs her signature, which was a fucking hilarious detail. It's so funny. There's this one shot that is just his face where they like yes. clearly had, like spritzed him down. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they really upped the sweat. It's great. He's so lovable. He's the only one who makes like sweat look adorable. He's very okay, funny. So he's a good he's actor. Great. He's an excellent actor. Um, Evan Handler. Evan is Handler. I think yeah. so. I met him once. He was really lovely. So back on the train, Samantha and Carrie check out the dining car. It's not much better than their cabin, unfortunately, and they just have to sit wherever they can find two open spots. They end up next to an Amish couple who they kind of openly make fun of and complain about the lack of fuckable men on board. That scene is so wild. It's so funny, but like it's so funny. Just literally being next to the people that you're like, fuck these people is so great. I know. I know. They're like not even like lowering their voices. They were basically just like loud whispering right next to them. And it's like, I don't know many Amish, but I don't think they take like a vow of silence. Like it's a very weird. It was a very like unresearched Amish portrayal. 
and Harry and Charlotte head to check out Harry's friend's apartment. The guy is thinking of selling, and Charlotte's curious about it. When they get there, however, it is very not Charlotte's vibe. There's a zebra skin rug, red leather furniture, and automatic blinds. Harry knows his way around, however, and after he turns on the surround sound, he confesses. He can't stop thinking about Charlotte. <gasps> She's hesitant at first, but they hook up on this weird, creepy American psycho bed. Oh, I mean, I love that. That scene is so incredible. It's He's just great. like... He's like, your lips, your pink, perfect lips. And she's like, Harry, stop. <laughs> she's I, like, I find you disgusting. Stop complimenting me. She's also he's like, like, I don't care if you hate me. I want to fuck you. She's also like, I'm wearing my glasses like I'm a ghoul. I loved that. <laughs> she's amazing. mentioned that that, that, happens, um, that happens in another episode as well. Uh, the one where she's dating the guy, the chef who she thinks is gay. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, You know, yes. she's like, I was wearing my glasses. It's like, Charlotte, people find you hot when you're wearing glasses. Like, it's so like, um, it's so she's all that. It's like, yeah. my hair was up in a ponytail and I was wearing glasses. It's like, we know you're hot. It's like, yeah, there's a hot person, very visible right under the glasses. Yeah, they're not. Like, they're just glasses. Like, yeah. it's not like you're like, I was wearing like one of those pig masks that psychopaths wear when they kill people. <laughs> I pulled a barrel on before I left the house that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy okay so carrie calls miranda from the train she's developing a pimple and she's about done with the trip until samantha bursts in a crew of passable guys showed up and they're having a bachelor party in the bar car carrie does not want to go but samantha insists carrie owes her charlotte meanwhile catches up with anthony to talk about harry how can a person have really hot S-E-X with someone they don't even like. You're spelling sex in a place with a go-go boy on the bar? I'm serious. Why? Oh my God, Sean. You? I don't know what happened. He's my divorce lawyer and I don't even like him. So? Some of the best sex I've had is with people I can't stand. Details. <laughs> this is so exciting. Well, he was showing me this bachelor apartment and I think it was all the leather and music. Leather. I get it. Go. Suddenly, out of nowhere, we were kissing and then fucking! Oh my God, Char! This is so exciting. How was it? Unbelievable. <laughs> Cosmos for everyone! No, no, it's not good. I don't want to date him. He's Attractive. Ugly sex is hot. No, he's sweaty and pushy and no, no, I could never date him. But, well, maybe just for the sex. How does that work exactly? Okay, listen up. You have to be very clear about the rules. It's just sex. You can't act romantic at all. You have to talk just sex talk. Fuck me and get out. Isn't that rude? No, it's hot. <laughs> I mean, he's such a star it's his performance he's, really he's just the funniest actor like Absolutely. he's and comedian he's just the funniest guy like everything that was written for him is a thousand times funnier because he delivered it oh completely he's one of those people where it's like the the writers nailed the dialogue but it's like also we can give mario cantone whatever because he's gonna plus it up so oh much. my god yeah, I mean, and I love the pairing of Anthony and Charlotte. I wish there were I wish there was more of it in series because it's just so refreshing. She's kind of like he he is kind of her Samantha. Like we've said before, yes. Samantha and Charlotte are not like tight. No, they don't really 
they they're don't, not. They don't, have they don't really have any scenes. Yeah. No, and they don't hang out really no. ever. Not there's never a scene with just the two of them. I don't think so. At right. least very few. There, or there, there was like I think when they got in a fight and she like brought her muffins to sure. say sure. I'm sorry or whatever. But like I feel like Anthony is the Samantha is like Samantha and Carrie, like Anthony and Charlotte are like their like. Charlotte's I don't know I can't say this more succinctly Charlotte is the Carrie and he is the Samantha and it's a very delightful contrast because he is so like I don't know he's just not who you would expect her to hang out with and it's so fun when he like brings her to you know this bar where like people are like basically dancing right in front of them and then she's like spelling out sex literally her going sex that was almost like a hard joke to buy uh, because I'm like, yes. come on, like, what are we doing? She's not, she's not a child. Like she doesn't, it's not like S-E-X. Like, it's like, but she's an adult who like has a lot of sex. So 100%. that's just crazy. It's also to that point, it is so fun to see, because we've talked about this a little bit, but like Charlotte has, Charlotte's like a little, she's a little hornier than like she wants to pretend to be. Yes. And her pairing with Anthony services that so well, because like, Yes, they're at like this bar where there is there are shirtless men dancing on the bar, but it's not like you don't have any setup scene where like Anthony had to pitch Charlotte on the bar. Like Charlotte will still go and do that. Like she's still comfortable with that sort of stuff. Yeah, she goes she goes dancing. Like she yeah. goes to gay clubs. She like yeah, it's such a strange thing. Like the way she, you know, I actually, I actually think her character, it's funny because sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so unbelievable. But then I have a friend like this who acts so prim and proper, but then like is, the, you know, will say like, quote unquote, like dirty stuff. And I'm like, you're that too. Like you, you act as if you are so you know, just like almost Pollyanna and you're not like you're at odds with yourself in that way. You're all the things. You're a complex person. Yes, I I definitely know, especially like I grew up uh, like religious and whatever. Right. And so I definitely had friends who like and I was this to a degree as well, like when we all hit high school where where like there was something really like liberating about like being able to drink and being able to party it, in whatever for the first time with a bunch of people you grew up with who you knew grew up knowing that that stuff was wrong like there's like Mm. and you could see like the development of like everybody like normalizing that and like adopting partying adopting going out to bars like when as part of their lives when you knew that they didn't do that initially and yeah I, I always think that's such an interesting dynamic and it's kind of a thing that I think that Charlotte has going on where it's like she has she does a lot of things that she would not maybe say that she does. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think it's actually especially as we get into these later seasons, like it's what makes her character feel believable is that she can spell out S.E.X. all she wants. But like, honey, you're in a club where men are naked dancing right in front of you. Like 100 percent. You're choosing to spend your time that way. So as much as you want to, like, cling to this prude identity, like, you know, the proof is in the pudding here. Yeah. Which is great. I love that. It is her. great. It is great. And that's why I, I love Anthony. He's such a necessary force in her life. Completely. Like he just he makes her likable. He makes her likable. Yeah. Without him, you'd be like, get this fucking bitch out of the circle. Like yeah, get her out of the core four. She doesn't deserve it. Exactly. Because you can't. 
I mean, maybe it would work because they're very talented uh, actors, but like, I personally don't think that you would see this same scene with Charlotte and Samantha working anywhere near as well. No. I think it works so much better with Charlotte and Anthony. It is interesting, though, that you bring that up because it's like, why is she so put off when Samantha talks about sex, but she has no problem talking about fucking a fucking an ugly person with Anthony. Like there is something going on there where it's like, is it, is she, is it her own misogyny that she's not in touch with? Like she's so put off when Samantha talks about sex, but then it's like, yeah, she clearly doesn't have a problem talking about sex. It's just with other women that makes her uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that. I, I don't personally know anybody like that, but I feel like that is a thing. Like it is sort of the gay, best friend thing a little bit. Yeah, it is a little stereotypical, maybe. But also, like, I think that, and I could be wrong about this, but I think that part of the way that that dynamic works in real life is with a character like Charlotte, it's easier to talk to a guy who has sex with men than it is to talk to a woman who has sex with men about Mm -hmm. having sex with men. I don't know. There's something there. There's something there. What it is about it that, like, makes them more okay with that. But I think that that dynamic does exist for some people. It also might be that Charlotte is threatened by Samantha because Samantha reminds her of who she kind of wishes she could be. Yeah, she's and because Anthony is a Charlotte. man. Yes, and because Anthony's a man, she's not comparing herself the same way. Yeah, I could see that. And um, listeners, feel free to like weigh in on this uh, because we're two heterosexual people just kind of. <laughs> pontificating so if you have any insight please like feel free to weigh in because we definitely are just spitballing here it is a really interesting dynamic it is um okay so getting back into it skylar take us away and carrie and samantha do it they get dressed up and head to the bachelor party unfortunately it's another disappointment the guys are all married and they're not interested in flirting with samantha even after carrie nicely asks She and Samantha head back to their cabin with a bottle of champagne where Samantha apologizes. She's having a midlife crisis and the depressing trip is not helping. The next day, they finally make it to San Francisco. When they get to the bookstore for Carrie's book reading, her publisher has some bad news. The good turnout is not all for her. The shop also booked Mr. Winkle, a popular internet dog, to appear after her. The whole thing is deflating, and Samantha heads back to their hotel to unwind with a bubble bath. When she finishes reading, Carrie takes some questions, but the audience isn't really interested in her. The first guy asks about Mr. Winkle, and the second, it turns out, is big. Carrie rushes to the hotel to get Samantha out of the way so she can have sex with him, but when Carrie actually goes to kiss him, he chokes on some gum and then just ushers them out to dinner really quickly. When they get to the restaurant for dinner, all Big wants to do is talk about Carrie's book. He had no idea how much he hurt Carrie when they were together. But she's not there to unpack their history. She keeps trying to rub his leg under the table and he keeps pulling away. He wants to unpack and he keeps on doing it later back at the hotel while Carrie throws herself at him. He just keeps reading from her book and shutting her down. Back in New York, Charlotte and Harry finish up another round of sex, which he calls making love, but she insists on calling just sex. She really goes for it. She orders him out of bed and refuses to take his invitation to dinner. Harry's game though. He'll take just sex if it means getting to be with Charlotte. The next morning, Carrie gets her wake up call. 
big is still there. He fell asleep with the book on his face. He wakes up too and they end up saying fuck it and having sex after all. The episode closes with Carrie heading to a final reading of her book and catching up with Samantha. Luggage in the car, car at the curb. Oh, thanks for doing all that. So, how did it go with Big? We had sex. Hallelujah. Yeah, but it was not as simple as I had hoped. Well, what does that mean? The question and answer section of this reading is now over. I'll tell you on the train. Train? Get real. American Airlines, first class, and some value. I cannot wait to get to New York. What about the midlife crisis? Honey, who's midlife? And sometimes it's not the journey. It's the destination. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) It's a nice sort of way to wrap that up. Um... Yeah. So have you ever had, Ooh, this is a good question. Have you ever had a sort of age related identity crisis like Samantha here? I, I feel like I do sort of often, but kind of like around professional stuff, not so much. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. Not so much like life stuff. I also feel like that's very, I feel like that's endemic to like a lot of industries, but like entertainment in particular can be like really tough for that. I think. Um, right, because like, especially there's like you know someone who got like famous on TikTok at 13, and you're like, um, I've been here a lot longer than that. There's that certainly, but there's also like, I like a person I know just had their first like sold a show, yeah. uh, deadline headline sort of thing, and it's like mm-hmm. we're the same age, that sort of thing. Like, and of I know that those everybody has, especially in this industry, and wanting to write and and being in comedy, um. Those anxieties, I have to imagine for some people they go away, but like, especially when you're like starting out, they don't go away. And so I definitely have those like age related identity stresses all the time where I'm like, am I doing the same things, et cetera, but not as far as like other life stuff goes. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think that everything you're saying is very relatable. Um, It is interesting because I think I, I understand, I've definitely felt that way before, um, like hundreds of times, especially starting out in standup because it was like, it was like seeds of popcorn. We were all like kind of in it together. And then it would just be like, Oh, one turned into a kernel. Oh, one turned into a kernel. And you're like, it's kind of happening. It's happening all around you. And you're kind of like, well, they, Oh, that kernel popped before I popped. But then you're like, actually you're all kind of popping at the same time. It's just that you're on, you're, you're literally comparing like, Oh, like they like had their moment, like two years before you, which is actually no time at all. You know what I mean? It's like, there is this thing where you start to be like, or what'll happen is like, I have a friend who nothing, nothing happening, like nothing, nothing had to go back to a corporate job, like truly just nothing happening for years and years and years and years. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, like there she is. And it was almost like, there is that kind of like, I think there are the people who, their career kind of comes in increments and each increment, each little like milestone gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're like, Oh, they kind of had a cumulative rise, yes. you know, but then there are those people who are like silent killers who are not doing anything. They have like three followers on Instagram, like just kind of riding it out. Not that that's like the barometer, please. I want to be clear. It's not, but you know what I mean? Like 
they they're like yeah. just not in the world like they're just not around and then all of a sudden you're like boom they just do something so special that it immediately negates all of the all of the silence for all those years it doesn't even matter anymore Absolutely. like time is so irrelevant so my point in saying that is you know both paths exist you're not in the silent path like you're just not like you have stuff going on and like we're i'm gonna like make you famous i'm determined so like don't worry <laughs> well, you're but, good <laughs> but also like i i don't mean to like and, and i i worry it comes off as like professional jealousy or whatever no like, well but it's I, normal though like you're also a motivated you're not a like a fucking slacker piece of shit. So of course you're going to think like that. That's how ambition manifests. Man, a lot of ambition is jealousy. And it's one of those things where it's like, if I step back and am realistic, like I'm 27 and I'm, I'm very fortunate to be getting to do as much in comedy as I already am. Like I have, yes. it's not as if I'm like a person who doesn't live in LA, doesn't know comedians, doesn't yes. get to, and like, but also wants to know comedians, wants to work in comedy. Like it's like, I live here. I work with you. Like I, I've done a lot of cool things. So it's like also appreciating like you're this, doing so yeah. much more than I did at 27. Oh my God. I, but you, but I mean you, when, when did you do last comic standing to 27? Okay. It was 27. I, so it was I like think it's two episodes, but yeah, I know what you mean. And also that's, yeah, it's not, again, comparing is like what, like, yeah, it's also, but, yeah. Yeah. No, I think things started percolating when I was 27. Yes. So I actually think you're very on track. Um, and also I know that feeling of like deadline feels like such a fucking gut punch. I don't know what it is. Sometimes oh, totally. I see deadline stuff where I'm like, oh, that's not even like what I want to do. Like that's totally. not even close to what I want to do. And I'm just like, it's like, boom, so-and-so got this, like, I don't, I don't even want to like give specifics, but just something that you're not that into. And you're yeah. like, oh, I would never make that because I don't put my energy into that. Why it, would I ever have success in that area? A hundred percent. It's also just one of those things where it's like, why that really trying to get a headline on deadline should not matter to me. Like that's so. Can I tell you, sorry to step on this, but I just feel so passionate about it. I had my first deadline, um, headline, uh, like two years ago now for that project that I did the girlfriend and it it did sell it was it basically deadline was like hey hey everyone Jamie made some money this year but yeah. did the project go anywhere did like you know what I mean it's like yeah it was like cool like I got to like sell a thing that I wrote that was the victory but beyond that it like it would turn into nothing it was Completely. nothing and it's like it's such a weird thing where it's like oh cool you're on deadline it's like that literally is like that's it could be oh this thing is like bought in the can gonna premiere that's yes. one kind of deadline article then there's the one that's like hey this person like isn't a complete failure because they made a little money on a script and then there that's the one but then it's like what does that mean you got a script like that's not it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean that the thing's gonna get made it doesn't even mean it's gonna go to pilot it doesn't even mean you're gonna film it it's totally. like it's just a fucking like social like it's it's literally what instagram is it's an algorithm to like make you feel bad completely it's one of those things where it's like you can also at the like when like an audience is sitting down in a theater to watch a new movie that movie probably had a bunch of deadline headlines uh leading up to it coming out but but there's so many deadline headlines around projects that nobody's ever going to sit down to see, unfortunately. No one like, will so it's ever, like, ever see. 
So it's, such a it's, silly sometimes metric. Sometimes it's just being like, yeah. hey, they made money doing their thing this year. Like exactly. they made some money this year. So it's actually like, oh, it's almost like when you like, when people make their Venmo public, you're yeah. like, oh, cool. Like I see so-and-so went to brunch. It's yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's literally like, oh, they like, Someone they paid made their some rent dope. This Someone month. paid yeah. their rent this month. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Um, in conclusion, like I, yeah, not that you asked for this advice. I am not trying to talk down, but I really feel like you're super, super, super on track. But but not to make it all about me, but have you ever had similar sort of like age related anxieties? Because oh that's mine's all like career stuff for sure. Like, have you had other realm stuff? Yes. Um, age related anxieties. Yeah. I mean, especially like, well, uh, the weird thing to me is like, and I think we've maybe touched on this a little bit before but like I really believe like it only gets better with age like mm-hmm. I'm a real believer of that like you get you get smarter you feel better about yourself you stop making the same mistakes you used to make like you just gain so much by living and living on a time continuum that it's a bummer that then society reduces you based on literally valuing you when you were less intact and whole as a person. Totally. Like your face had more collagen, but you were worse. You mentally were worse. You were probably less fun and interesting to be around. You were insecure. You made in when you're insecure, you make other people uncomfortable. They can sense your insecurity. Like there's so many bad things about being young. There are great things too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying this from a place of hope, not on a place of shitting on the youth. I'm saying it's a good thing because it's like, oh, so much good is ahead. Like, I really, really believe that. So for me, my age related stuff is like in my core, I know every year has been better than the next. But it's like, oh, I just I have such a hard time like when I have to remember like, oh, yeah, but. Like, that's not how everyone else sees it. And you're just, I want that to change so bad. Agreed. I, yeah. I mean, still being 27, so like relative, like. You're so young. I mean, I know that I'm not saying that you're not a baby, but you're so young. Yeah. But, but also just like not being 22 anymore, 23. Like when I was first, like when I, when I moved here and like first started like getting like involved in comedy and whatever, like my values around that stuff are different and it's all different with age. And it's like, I, I value the perspective I have on that stuff now and it, and talking down to 22 year old me is a silly, it's, it, it's not a productive uh, exercise to engage in it. Like all the experience you have propels you forward in very helpful ways. If you have the perspective on it to do so. Yes. And also, this is another piece I was thinking of when you're talking about someone, you know, sold a thing like and look, I don't know anything about that person, but I will say um, while that is happening for them in their life, concurrently, you are like working on like learning how to pitch you're working on learn like I you are like you're like learning how to like handle every fucking aspect of a podcast and like make people's lives run smoother and like you're you're gaining all these skills that you are going to have for the 
and it's going to sync up with that opportunity. And then you're going to be like, oh, it's fucking on bitches. I'm actually so much more qualified than you were when you got your thing. Totally. And that's why the thing that you're working on at that point will succeed because you have the tools to make it succeed. That's yeah, that's very sweet. And I, I and mean I, it. No, it's no, just no, true. I it's like, true. Yeah. It's just true. But and it is a nice thing it to is say. True. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad because I, 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 I know that I've had those moments where I'm like, oh, like a few years ago, I was so pissed because I didn't get X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, but then when I am getting the X, Y, and Z, I also have like more experience in these areas under my belt. So I don't fucking blow it. Oh, absolutely. Like it's a big deal. It's a really big deal to be like, literally like, yeah, I mean, the friend I was talking about earlier who just kind of exploded out of nowhere it wasn't out of nowhere. She put in her time and was just doing really good work for a really long time and was super talented. And it's just like the stars finally aligned. Now people are taking notice and giving her opportunities. And she's so beyond ready that like she's going to take the rocket launch and just go way, 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 way into the sky because she wasn't just sitting on her ass. Like she was working on the thing and keeping her head down. And now people are like, oh, please be in my thing. Oh, please write for my thing. Like opportunities are just like flying at her. Completely. So I just, I, I've seen it so many times that I'm, that actually gives me great comfort. Like, yeah, it's all in motion. It's like happening for you. You're just like, you don't have that distance from it. Yeah. It's one of those things. I remember I listened to, um, I want to say Will Ferrell was on either either Conan's podcast or WTF like years ago. And he was talking about like the way that his career kind of kicked off where he like he moved to L.A. and he he like made a bargain with his dad where he's like, I'm going to give it five years. And if it's not and if at the end of five years I don't have a career in comedy, then we'll talk about me giving up comedy. And obviously it really happened for him. He gets SNL and, and all of that. But I, I get having those sorts of like arbitrary time limits and then seeing that you actually are making progress toward the thing that you want to be making is a very comforting feeling. Yes, it's just true. I, I promise you I'm not saying that to blow smoke. I really I know I don't mean it. I, I wish there was a way to be like I this like I am not psychic, but this I know. Like totally. I have seen it happen. It is the way it goes. You always think like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. It's like the year. Okay. This is like, uh, the, I don't know if we're going to keep this in probably will. Cause like, why not? But the year that I got crashing mm-hmm. before, before, uh, I think we had filmed. Yeah. We had done one season of it and I, I didn't know if it was coming back and I felt very anxious because I just didn't, I was like, I just don't. And also I don't know if I'm invited back because mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a typical, it wasn't like the show I'm on right now where it's like, it's just like, it's a guarantee. Like if we get picked up, you're in, you know? So I was kind of like waiting to find out if like it was renewed, if I was part of the process when it's renewed. And I was waking up every day for two full weeks, just like crying my eyes. I was like, I have no income right now. I'm not touring. I'm like, my life has never felt more over like truly I was like it's just so bad and then I ended up getting a writing job and it wasn't like the writing job of my dreams but it was a WGA writing job where I got to like write jokes on a thing which like I was very grateful for 
And I was doing it and I was really enjoying it. It was a really great group of people. And I was going in and I was like, you know what? I'm just like lucky to be fucking employed. Like I went from being unemployed every day was just like me and Dennis at the dog park. (laughs) And I was just kind of like going out of my fucking mind. Like I just had too much time on my hands and I was like, okay. And then I got the thing and then crashing came back and they were like, please come right for us. And I was like, oh, And I went back and it was really hard because I really wanted to act on the show. And they were like, yeah, we just like don't see this part for you. Like we just and then that was another gut punch. And I was like, God, could this year get any fucking worse? Like, it's just like, obviously, I am grateful that I have a writing job. Writing jobs pay well. There are things to be grateful for. But it was like, that's not enough for me. I want the thing. I was yeah. like, I want to be in this show. I want to be in this show. I don't want to be on all shows. I want to be on this show. This is the tone that I like. It's about comedy. I know I'd be a good fit. I'm being told, no, you're not. You're not. You're great. You're we're we happy. We're happy to have you as a writer. You're not it for this part. And it was torture. And then other people I knew were auditioning for it and asking me about it. And I didn't want to be a fucking douche. So I was telling them, Hey, here are the things you need to do. Like, here's what I've heard in the room. Like, hopefully this helps you inform your audition and the choices you make. Like, this is all I know about this character. And I was like watching all of my friends go in for this thing. All of them to the point where I was almost numb. I was Mm -hmm. just like, it's so not mine that I just need to make peace with that. It's not mine. Maybe at some point, I'll like write myself two or three lines or something in this, in this script. And maybe I'll get to like be on HBO for five seconds. And it was just like, it was just over and over and over. And it just got to the point where I was like having to, like I was meditating like twice a day. And I know people do that, but like, I wasn't one of those people who did that. I was like trying to basically like put myself like out of consciousness as much as possible throughout the day to like just be able to handle the day because it was so hard watching all my friends go out for this thing and then it turned and last minute as soon as I like truly released the opportunity into the wild and was like it's not mine it's just not mine it's fine that was like the day that Pete was like yeah actually maybe you should audition for this and I was like okay um yeah yeah. and I could not have cared less at that point because I had been beaten down so much hearing how it wasn't mine not to anyone's fault no one was trying to hurt me but I was hurt because I wanted the thing and so then yeah and then when I found out I got it I mean I I wish I could could go back and tell myself like Jamie it all works out like it works out the way it's supposed to work out Totally. And it just did like nothing stopped it. It just did. And I was like the last person they were wanting for it. It's also I mean, we started working together after you did that season. But I also like I not to like blow smoke or whatever. Like I watched that season. I'd seen you perform. That's all before like ever meeting you, but just seeing you perform here in L.A. going to comedy shows and whatnot. And like watching that season, I was like, that person's the best person on this show this season, Aww. like without a doubt. And so when I got like connected with you, I was like, wait, that Jamie Lee as in from Crash. <laughs> so funny, Sky. No, truly. You're though. like my family now. It's like fucking hilarious to me. And so it's just so wild that like there was that amount of true like agonizing and, and basically like nightmare over you. Oh, it was the worst year, of, it was the worst year yeah. of my life. Like, truly and then it ended up being like the best summer of my life because I was like 
I, but I've said this before. I really believe that when you think things are, could not get any worse, it's because they're about to get so good. Like I know, like you think you're going to die and then you soar. hundred percent. I also, did you, I, I know you were on it, but did you ever listen to like, uh, Don Finelli's podcast? The, um, yeah, the I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's great, amazing. Great show. That's a great, great show. He yeah. like he wrapped it up recently, but like he did like over a hundred episodes, all really lovely conversations with comedians and writers, and for just telling listeners. But he makes this point um, in a bunch of episodes, all like derived from hearing other people's ex- experiences failing, where it's just like so. Uh, it seems to be the case, especially in entertainment. I don't, I can't speak to other industries because they are they aren't what I live in. Where it's like when you want the thing so badly and the thing keeps just being pulled away from you like a little carrot dangling yep. in front of you. Yep. When, as soon as you stop wanting it very often, that's when you get it. It's, it's so true. It's so, so true. It's real. I mean, the way it worked out with crashing, I could never in a million years predict that that was going to happen. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was like the longest con yeah. It was just like a year of like, not you, not you, not you, not you. And I was just like, okay, okay. It's not me. I get it. It's not me. Yeah. And that's not, that's not how they were, by the way. I'm not saying that about them. That's just how it felt, by the way. I want to be clear. No one was mean. Everyone was lovely. It was just that feeling. They wrote on a whiteboard, Allie does not equal Jamie and just yeah. like left it up. It was there. essentially yeah. what it was. I mean, yeah, it, it felt that way. It, and, and it was like almost, a, it was in a way healthy because the, boundary had been set in a way where I just was like, cool. Okay. Well now I know, and I can move on with my life. Totally. Um, anyways. Okay. Now we're doing our second to last segment. Uh, we are answering the question of the episode. More and more single women of a certain age are looking for a certain thing. And that certain thing does not necessarily involve a certain ring. We may have traded the little black book for a little black dress and replaced the Ferrari with a Fendi, but in view of certain evidence, I had to wonder, are we the new bachelors? I don't know. What do you think? Well, the the questions, it, it's coming at that point where they're like, Carrie just wants to have sex with someone this episode. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what's driving yes, yes, this question yes. in particular. Sure. Of course, I mean, I already explained my like bump with it being big. Uh, the being the person that she wants to have sex with, given that like she literally wrote a book about how fucked up <laughs> that relationship is. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I sort of get the framing. I just think it's a little, it's a little sexist. Yeah, because it's like women, like, yeah, I mean, women can also just want to fuck, or women can also want to have a one night stand. I don't know. I don't like to be the PC police, but that is how I feel about this question. Agreed. It's, it's very, yeah, I don't, I don't love this question for those reasons. And also just because like, yeah, it's just, it's just thin. It's also a little bit of the, um, I feel like the, maybe even like the very first episode of the, of the show, the question is like, can you have sex like a man? And it, it feels like a little bit of a retread of that sort of question. Like it is. It is. It's a little regurgitated. Yeah. Like they're just like, I think the conclusion we might have all come to then was like, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> I also don't yeah. know what sex, like having sex like a man necessarily means. 
No, no. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a really good point. It's just kind of the same. It's the same notion yeah. wearing different clothes. Um, okay. Well, let's move on to I'm horny for sex in the city is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Skylar, what are you horny for right now? Um, I, I love the, I, this feels like a very, this was a huge thing early in the year. Um, no, say it. But, um, I love the new Fiona Apple album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I think it's incredible. I, I've listened to it on repeat for months and months now. Cool. But the thing, the thing that I am particularly horny for related to it is she just did, uh, the New Yorkers virtual festival and she like mm. performed three of the songs from it, uh, live. For the first time, like obviously like live performance is so weird right now. And it was just so cool seeing because it's such a weird like stripped down like she recorded the whole album like I believe like in her house and like it has this really kind of DIY sound. It was cool seeing that DIY sound translated with just like two other musicians and her in her house uh, with these again just astonishing songs. I love 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 that record. All right, I'm going to listen to that. That sounds great. It's so, so good. She's amazing. I mean, she's so brilliant. But she's so brilliant. Yeah, like I, I remember The Idler Wheel, her previous album came out when Kristen and I were in college and like that was like such a, like listen to it on a loop album and now it's like truly like what, seven or eight years later that the next one comes out and it's like, I, it's, it's amazing that she beat that album basically. Right. That's awesome. Okay, well, um, I am horny for... A movie that my friend made. Um, he is named Josh Rubin, and he is a writer, actor, filmmaker, and he has his first feature. I think it's his first feature. Don't quote me on that. But he made a really unique, just tonally interesting horror movie, and it's available on Shutter, that horror movie app. Um, and it's called Scare Me, and it's him and Aya Cash, and pretty much just the two of them. Um, and it's just really fucking well acted and directed, and it's just, it's just good. If you like horror and comedy, it's a really good option. That's I so think cool. it's so good. I want you to watch it and tell me what you yeah, think. Absolutely, I it's Shutter so good. Rules it's, too. Yeah, yeah, Shutter Rules, and yeah, his name's Josh Rubin, R U B E N. You can follow him on Instagram. He's just. He's just a genius and I'm I just think it's cool when anyone like has their thing made whether it's a TV show or a short or a feature whatever it is it's just like oh you made a thing that's amazing and it's a really good thing. That's he awesome. like did it well. So like we were talking about earlier the execution it's like the execution is there. He just nailed it. That's a great feeling. Yeah, I I mean the few times I've had like friends have like big things come out and like it's so nice when you also get to love their big thing and like you yes. can just like tell them honestly like this ruled. Thank you for this. Yeah, exactly. No. And it's, yeah, it's great. So yeah, if you have shutter or you don't have shutter, download shutter and watch scare me. Um, it's great. So guys, that's our episode. And this episode is dedicated to Rose Cerno. We love, we you, love Rose. you. We love you so much. We miss you. And I know you will be back very soon and yes. we wish you well. And we just love you so much. Um, yeah. And we love you guys. You listeners, you so listeners, you listeners, you we love listen you. to this, but, <laughs> but yes, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you listeners. Okay. Bye guys. Have a great week. 
Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.